Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 166 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I'm the Sarah in that equation, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here, as I tend to be, with my splendiferous co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Speaking of equations, you plus me equals great. (laughs) (laughs) I like that math. Um, Yes, the uh, peppy, funky theme song aside, we're about to uh, be a little more downbeat today with a song that Mark brought to the table. Mark, what are we listening to? We are listening to a song called Soon You'll Get Better by Taylor Swift featuring the Dixie Chicks. And I wanted to talk about it for multiple reasons one being that we've never talked about taylor swift on this show and love her or hate her she is an undeniable force in popular music that's the truth (laughs) can't there's no denying it two it is always a seems to be a complex time to be a taylor swift fan and i (laughs) strongly wasn't a taylor swift fan until the red album and then i slowly started to become one and then by 1989 i totally was and then i was i've remained pretty much in the tank ever since and i find that songs like this are the reason that it's worthwhile to sort through some of the less bearable songs in her catalog (laughs) and i felt like it was worth discussing uh also sarah we've never really talked about her so even in our private lives so i'm just interested to know if you know about care about have anything to say about her music Um, But specifically, I want to talk about Soon You'll Get Better because this is a song that she wrote about facing her mother's battle with cancer and her attempts to navigate her own powerlessness in the face of her mother's cancer. And uh, it's a remarkably sophisticated topic for an artist who is often criticized for being forever stuck in high school and even on this new album lover that this album is on she still has songs where she's singing about fucking cheerleaders and football teams but not on this song so uh i thought it was there was enough here to warrant a conversation and let's listen to a clip Buttons of my coat were tangled in my hair In doctor's office lighting I didn't tell you I was scared That was the first time we were there Holy orange bottles Each night I pray to you Desperate people find faith So now I pray to Jesus too And I say to you I'm glad that you included that line uh, about the her hair being tangled in the buttons. Mm. That's such a strong opening. And so, I mean, I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm not a big unfan. I just <laughs> am sort of neutral. Like that Romeo and Juliet song, I'd still love it. Yes. Um, even though that was like a lifetime ago for her. 
in her career. This song, uh, this song goes back to something that we've talked about before, which is like, I don't question the sincerity, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that sincerity is the same as artistry. Ooh, okay. Uh, so there is a direct heartfeltness to this track that, but like Arlie, like it's nice to listen to. It's pleasant. And I also love that the harmonies reflect the mother-daughter relationship and the mm-hmm. supporting that changes hands between the, the parent and the child. But it also seems kind of average, like it would fit in a Wounded Warriors ad. Hmm. So... So I like it, but I'm not sure how great it is or like uh, great in the enduring mm-hmm. sense. What is your take on what is your take on that? Like what made you want to talk about this song? For whatever reason, the lyrics of this song I find to be profound. I, they really really move me. And I think it's because the overall the overall arc of this song to me seems to be about a young person realizing that they are not exempt from terrible things happening to them. And the panic, Ooh, yeah. the panic that you can feel when you realize that you don't get to miss tragedy in your life. Mm. And the, 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 the way that the, the song develops structurally, the first verse that I played, you get what I think is an incredible image, along with the buttons of her coat being tangled in her hair, which is an immediate image of her dishevelment in the doctor's office. But then, yeah. holy orange bottles, each yes. night I pray to you. That's mm-hmm. such a beautiful way of talking about a prescription bottle. Yeah. And then she suddenly is praying to Jesus, and she's saying to her mother, not... I want to take care of you, but soon you'll get better because you have to. And it's that fear that's coming out of her own need. She's like, please, please get better. I can't do this. Like, please. And I find that so raw and ugly in a way. And I really respect Mm. the way that she is able to talk about it. And then in the next. And the delivery of the line, if there's no you. Yes. Also goes back into that. Like, I'm I'm not trying to say that this song is like a nothing burger. It's, uh, I mean, I, I think that it's possible that this would grow on me mm. in its simplicity. I, I like, I do like the simple directness that it's not adorned and the harmonies are not trying to, um, Okay, here comes Alison Krauss. You, you know, uh, on the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack that uh, when I went down to the river to pray, and yes. it starts out just her, and then it's more and more people singing as the verses go on. Yes. Um, there is something about the sort of sound image of her and the Dixie Chicks all kind of taking hands to tell this story that I think is is powerful so uh, you know i think that my initial assessment of the song might change if i listen to it like five times or ten times or if i listen to it like around september 11th next year or right whatever um i do i do like what it's doing and i think that it absolutely is 
um, authentic and not cynical and not trying to trade on anything. I think this is really what it was like. Oh, I think that's fair. I think that your point is fair. And I do want to return to that. But I I just want to talk a little bit more about what she's doing structurally because I find Mm, it so exciting. So then you've got this idea of her panic and her sudden discovery of faith and her what she's saying to her mother is really about her own fear. And then in the second verse, she says, um, I'll paint the kitchen neon. I'll brighten up the sky. I know I'll never get it. There's not a day that I won't try. And that, too, is so poignantly familiar to me. The thinking of, if I'm just positive enough, Mm. your cancer will go away. If I make you a mix with some amazing songs on it that you can listen to during chemo, if I tell you jokes that make you laugh, if I paint your kitchen in a really bright color, then you know what? It's If I am good, then the universe won't punish me by taking you. And then yet she knows by the end of the verse that she's it's futile. She can't actually do anything about it, but she can't not do anything about it. Mm, so yeah. sometimes all you can fucking do is make cookies. You know, it's like I made 15 batches of cookies. <laughs> yeah. Then, speaking of September 11th, do you remember the um, the onion issue right after that? Oh, and yeah. There was a, one of the pieces. I think the piece everyone remembers is God being like. Well, you, you know, you really fucked a chicken with this, and then he starts crying. Yes, I re- yes, so but well. The other one that I remember is uh, the woman who was like, "Well, I didn't know what else to do, so I made a flag cake." Yes, and it's like that is absolutely that's absolutely what it was like. Just being like, "Well, I don't know." Like um, Tara's sister Leah found an America-shaped cookie cutter. And made like America sugar cookies. Right. She was like, well, I did this thing. Does that help? I'm like, I love sugar cookies and I love you. And so, yes, it did. Exactly. And then but this kind of bargaining is very relatable. I, I, and I And I bring that up about making the mix out of personal experience, right? Like if you just, it's like, I, I don't, I'm so helpless and I don't know what to do. I guess yeah. I'll just repaint the kitchen or do, huh. and then in the bridge, which you've already referenced, when all of those uh, harmonies start to come to the fore, I hate to make this all about me, because right there she knows she's being selfish, but yeah. who am I supposed to talk to, and what am I supposed to do if there's no you? It's like, fuck, I've, I, I have, I, I've been living in this fucking palace where I haven't had to consider the fact that this could stop. And then my favorite moment, perhaps, of the entire song, that's she follows that with the line, this won't go back to normal if it ever was. Mm-hmm. And the way that I hear that line is, this won't go back to normal in the sense of, I won't ever again get to live in a fantasy where you are never going to get taken and I could possibly get hurt. And then she says, if it ever was, meaning maybe it wasn't normal when I thought I was infallible or I thought it was exempt. Maybe I was, maybe that's not normal and I won't ever get to go back to the abnormal ignorance that I got to blissfully exist in for such a long time. Well, and also there's like mother daughter fraughtness here. That's like, uh, you know, come the day provided that, you know, my mother does not survive me, but come the day, what, like, what are the things that I'm going to miss? Mm. Uh, they won't necessarily be the sort of everyday things or 
things that are more recent in our relationship. Right. It'll be like teeny little moments that I will think of as like that they would be peak mom and Sarah, but they wouldn't necessarily be like average mom and Sarah. So there's this idea that there's a normal that you wish you could go back to that probably wasn't it didn't exist like there's always that like oh well you know this edenic this edenic place before you know i i bit the apple and i understood that you're mortal that that wasn't re- like you were still you know sniping at each other about right. oh are you gonna wear that like even though you're taylor swift right I, i'm sure that i'm sure that her mom could still bug the shit out of her because mothers and daughters like i don't know their relationship but i I did find that interesting that's like once it's imperiled the um all the shit that you wouldn't really miss or that chafes you would fall away yes and so this all gets back to however am i changing my mind about this song during the record (laughs) maybe maybe But I think that that is one of the things that makes Taylor Swift such an interesting artist because at her best, she is delivering songs that actually reward close attention. That, yeah. that And she doesn't have the chops as a vocalist to immediately sell the complexity of the stories that she has written. And I think that because she also tends toward large pop spectacles for her radio singles and she mm. likes to really exploit the trappings of pop megastardom it can be hard to see that she's also got diamonds like these tucked in there i also yeah. think that this is the first song that she's ever written at least that i'm aware of that is about something this adult she's written about boyfriends and fame and Feuds with friends and things that everyone, well, not her fame, squad. But, yeah. How yeah. old is she now? She's 30 almost. Well, I mean, yeah, it's time. Like, I, I wonder if we haven't all sort of contributed to not arrested development exactly, but that she's sort of eternally 17. Right. In our minds. And maybe this song on some level is saying, is her saying, yeah, same. Like, I, I was content to just be the perennial emancipated minor. Right. But now shit's grown up and not always in a fun way. And I think it's exciting to see that she has the capacity as an artist to articulate the terrain of difficult adult experience. And I hope that this song points the way to where she continues to go. Yeah, and it's a it's a great sort of crossroads song for her to also be talking about, you know, her maturation as an artist. I I don't think that's intentional on her part, but there there does come a point for many adults where you are now the caretaker of your parents, and even if you're not physically the caretaker, I think there are for almost all of us moments when we are suddenly expected to be the emotional caretaker for yeah. our parents. Yeah. That it's like, well, th- this is the generation that's like now it's our generation. That's um, 
whatever, like deciding where Thanksgiving is and making sure that everybody's like safe and taken care of. And and suddenly you reach that weird age where you're old enough for your parents to start telling you the things about the other the, your other parent that they don't like if your parents are still <laughs> together. You know, like if, if you if, yeah. if, if your parents are still together or your parent and a step parent are together, suddenly you are old enough to be something of a confidant sometimes. And that's a lot. I think. Yeah. And it's it's weird that it's like, you know, after however many decades of being like, I'm not a child, like, please stop making me fucking call you every time I drive home. Yes. <laughs> your house to my house. Ah, oh, Sarah, you're so true. Still a fucking thing. I'm 46, yo. No. <laughs> and she, if I don't do it, she will call. Like, after a, enough time has elapsed, she'll be like... I thought you were going to be calling me back. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Fu- weird yes. that I didn't. You fucking annoying, controlling freak who I'm exactly like. Bless <laughs> your heart. But yeah, that th- it's just like okay, that's an- like that's annoying. Do you know how many presidents I voted for? Please stop it. But then when then when it's flipped and you are being treated like a peer. Then you're like, you know what? Can you just ground me? Because I don't like it here. <laughs> Girl, that is the truth gospel style. I believe you'll find that in Ephesians because it's so true. I want to not be your kid until I do. Yeah. Until <laughs> you. Until suddenly you're kind of mine. Like, mm, no. <laughs> Diamond hard pass. <laughs> so true. Yes. And um, I just, yeah, and I, thinking of all of these things are wrapped up in my emotional response to this song. And that is why I keep, have, have kept coming back to it. And I say this with full awareness that to me it is an enormous compliment. This is the newest song in my shower rotation. Hmm. It's the only song released in 2019 that is a consistent presence in my shower rotation. So, ha. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's also worth (laughs) noting, before we wrap this up, um, as much as I'd like to wrap it up on uh, the the shallower note, that it's like, um, this has made the shampoo podium. Yes. Uh, I would also like to note that this is someone who is also having to work through these stories in front of the world. Yes. So there's another layer there to this song and how elemental the arrangement is and how elemental the feelings are and there's the fact that you know she is taylor swift tm and so not only is she like presumably like i don't follow her particularly closely and i don't know the ins and outs don't at me like for swiftians um I'm sure they they knew all this like family stuff already, but then she makes this song mm-hmm. um, because she's already sort of going through anything that she's going through in public, and so this is her way of not managing the narrative exactly, but that there's another layer of like I can't even do this intensely difficult personal thing without an audience and yet it's something that we all go through because we were just talking about 
about our feelings with, you know, aging parents and stuff like that. So she, you know, we're all alone together in yeah. this song, which is really a hell of a thing. Good for, yeah. good for her. And it's, and I think I love this song after all. Well, well done. Mark, <laughs> Yay! And, Mark and Taylor. <laughs> Mark and Taylor. Get Sarah to change your mind Sarah's about songs. <laughs> Mark and Taylor changing your mind. Mark and Taylor changing your mind. Mark and Taylor changing Matt your mind. Time. Does it, it doesn't have the same ring to it. We uh, oh. we need to send it to Taylor Swift for uh, for rewrite better initials. Um, so we'll 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 count on her getting back to us quickly. Yes. <laughs> Looking forward. Dash dash. <laughs> Just following up, making sure my last email didn't go to spam. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Subject line of the next email, touching base. <laughs> R-E colon, R-E colon, R-E colon. Oh, it me. Yeah, it me. Can, we, can we circle back? and? Yeah, can we circle back? Just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, and like cut to a picture of, you know, that meme of Trump screaming at that kid on the lawn? <laughs> Where's the rewrite? <laughs> Oh my god. Taylor Swift's Secret Service is gonna just surround my house right now and make sure I can never leave. Checks out. Just if my imagination, when she does show up, we're like both in pink robes with curlers, arms folded. We've been waiting. I thought you were dead in a ditch. Is that what you wanted to think? I didn't get any good sleep last night. I guess you got what you wanted. Well, if you're going to act like the big old lady, That's I'm going to talk I'll to just, you like... I'll just sit up all night. If, if you think you're a big lady, I'm going to talk to you like a big lady and tell you I don't appreciate that and you are not welcome in this house. Why is it always a ditch also? <laughs> right. I never I could... hit a tree. I never flip the car. I'm dead in a ditch. Like, how many fucking ditches do you think? I know I've brought this up on other podcasts. There's just <laughs> not that many fucking ditches in New Jersey. I'm dead in an underpass? Sure. Yeah, like, which ditch? There's like four. <laughs> it's a small state. If you're worried that I'm in one of them, fucking get your ass in your car. And go look for me. We have enough family members that all ditches can be surveyed quickly. Seriously. Or, like, get a drone. Call my brother. Get to, to tell him to send a drone to like Somerset County. She's like, nope, she's not in that one. <laughs> Sync up on walkie talkies if you have to. Always a ditch. Oh God, <laughs> ain't it a ditch? The Sarah D funding story. Oh my God, that's what the D stands for. Sarah ditch. Sarah funding. ditch funding. The Duchess of D now <laughs> means the Duchess of Ditch. <laughs> the Duchess of D. <laughs> You know what? Soon we'll get better at controlling ourselves in the end of our episodes. <laughs> Maybe not, though. Maybe we'll Fake never get better. News.
Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.